live from the State Farm, Mercedes-Benz, Gillette, Levi's, Lumen, Nissan, Lincoln, Financial, MetLife, Caesars, U.S. Bank, Allegiant, Lucas Oil, TIAA Bank, M&T Bank, Ford, NRG, AT&T, Bank of America, First Energy, FedEx Stadium. It's 2023's Woke Data Wednesday. I'm a better, I think I'm better at that than Damien is. Featuring me, Matt Muscardi, Lord of Board Sabermetrics. And Damien will join me in a second. Um, today, he is the Duke of Earl. In today's Wednesday stained bag called January 18th, 2023, it's ESG MLK Woke Day. We're going to go back a little bit in time to MLK Day, and we're going to talk about Damien's doing a whole bit on the NFL and MLK, fusing the things that everybody loves. Now we've got a call in from Doug from Jersey called us in. He sounds suspiciously like Doug Chia, a, uh, a, a someone who was on this show before, a governance expert. And we're going to we're going to talk a little bit of Disney. So stick around. Let's do this thing and let's do it upright. <laughs> well, then let's cancel. Let's end the show then. I don't think this is very right. Here's what I did. I went right to the NFL's greenwashing page. Ooh, I didn't yeah. know they had one. I, you know, it's called uh, like corporate communications, I think it's called. Oh, marketing. Got it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and I just randomly selected some that we could talk about. Ready? I'm ready for this. This is the 2022 greenwashing section of the NFL.com. Uh, I wish they would just label it that. Oh, we're getting there. I think we'll we're, get there. Are we close yet? Yeah. The first one is the NFL and USAA announced finalists for the 11th annual Salute to Service Award. This is a big one. The NFL and the military, I have no idea why, but they're they're intertwined. There's something very why? America why? Like like apocryphal America about what the NFL does. Like they they do the military is like Sponsors, don't they actually sponsor like at the NFL? They're, it's well, like a paid thing. I remember the big news a few years ago was learning that the NFL doesn't actually give the the military these sponsorship spots. They make them pay for them. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the panel of judges to announce the annual salute to service. Where I looked at the panel of judges because we look at boards, we look at people. This is what we do here. Board it sounds like a board. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I found on this panel. Uh, and you'll see a theme coming. Here's what I found. Uh, a white dude. Oh, shock. A white dude. Oh, okay. Ah. Another white dude. Oh. A white dude. Someone of Mexican, Native American, and African American descent. And a black dude. Ooh. Ah. Now, here's the troubling part is that, as we've talk talked about many times, is that the NFL is... Uh, mostly made up of black players i think it's uh i have that figure here it's 58 like percent black players i thought i thought it was more i thought it'd be like it's 65 it's so. actually going down a little bit the last few years but and also the military uh is actually a, a very multiracial uh group of people right it's not it's not just white people it's uh 18 percent hispanic 19 percent black uh five percent asian blah 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 so uh, I just thought it was kind of cute that the, most of the people selecting the uh, annual Salute to Service Award at the NFL it's, were white dudes. I thought that was cute. It's kind of nice. Is cute the right word for that? Yeah, and the winner this year, Matt, drum roll, please. <laughs> no, drum roll. The winner of this oh, award roll. 
this year is a white player. <laughs> the tight end, Andrew Beck. I know, this is going nowhere. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is so MLK. Did they announce this on MLK Day? Uh, they should have. That would have been better. Up next, NFL announces 32 nominees for for Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award presented by Nationwide. Everything they do is presented by some corporate entity. They can't just give an award. It's got to be presented by Geico or something, yeah. Uh, uh, last year's wi- uh, winning winner was Andrew Whitworth uh, from the Los Angeles Rams. He is a white, a white player. Oh, I mean, fine. Do I care? Uh, and here's here's why all this matters is because as I said before, fifty eight percent of the players in the NFL are black, but only nine percent of the head coaches are black. Twenty five percent of the players are white. Eighty eight percent of the head coaches are are white. So there's the and this yeah. this is down the line. Uh, it's even worse for general managers. It's worse for the CEOs. Uh, and, and league office management's bad. It's it's kind of bad what all about across the, billionaires the board. Billionaires who own the teams, they're mostly minorities, right? And that's where all this started from because it, it all went back to this story um, about the uh, NFL uh, joint statement from NFL clubs on commitment to increasing diversity among ownership, uh, where they came out with a pithy quote saying, the NFL member clubs support the important goal of increasing diversity among ownership. This was after they were sued by... by by former black head coach Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins and before handing the the next ownership to the Denver Broncos to the whitest family in America, the Walton family. So, well, awkward, maybe. Maybe the whole plan with mm-hmm. the Dan Snyder like forcing him out is to have the first black owner in the NFL. They have a handful of... Isn't there a few minority owners, at least U.S. minority, um, uh, like the the guy who owns the Jaguars, uh, Shaw, Shaw, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and um, Terry pulling... Pagula, who's the the wife of the owner, the okay, co owner of the Bills. <laughs> what are you doing? You're, She's... you're, you're grasping for straws. Here. I'm just. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is that the NFL in their greenwashing section put out a joint statement. A mere month before handing over uh, the ownership of Denver Broncos to the whitest family in America. Well, think saying. about what they said. Uh, what what this is actually really instructive for is, yeah. and I used to say this to analysts when I mm-hmm. worked back at the mothership, the language that people use is important because all of this goes through legal vetting. Like you can't print this until 17 lawyers have reviewed it, right? So if they say they support, right? Mm-hmm. That is like coded language for we can give moral support to anything, but we cannot specify that we will do something because then we could be held liable if we don't do it. So supporting things as in like we support the transition to a green economy. Oh, well, good. Who doesn't support that? Who's at home being like, you know what? I don't support that other than Wyoming who just said they don't. Or maybe Ron DeSantis. The, the great part for us, Matt, is I don't know if you remember this tidbit, is that uh, the the person they used to prove that the the new ownership of the Denver Broncos wasn't completely white was was from <laughs> our corporate world, from our board sabermetrics world. Melody Hobson was cited as a black right. minority owner 
of the new Denver Broncos, but they wouldn't tell you how much she owned, but she was the, the, the Shaquille O'Neal name that they dropped to say, it's not completely white, this ownership. We have, the Shaquille we have Starbucks chairwoman Melody Hobson. That is um a, the new that's the new trick, isn't it? You, Melody you announce trick. a single minority owner who is a minority to say, "Look, we support." Let's give yeah, let's give uh, the NFL some credit though. This other greenwashing story called NFL. The NFL announces diversity advisory committee members. So they set up they actually set up a diversity advisory committee member after being sued again by former head coach. Uh, Black former head coach Brian Flores. And Matt, the diversity advisory committee has no white dudes. So they knew they do know how to vet and find people in charge who aren't white dudes. So no, false. something Okay. Wait okay, a minute. Wait, wait, a minute. Yeah. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Who's the head of sustainability at every corporation? A black woman. Isn't it always like or a at, woman? E- even even at our mothership, mm-hmm. back at the true? mothership, they hired the, a chief diversity officer yeah. who was a black woman. It's like if you have a diversity officer, or a sustainability officer, they are generally female and generally of color. That's the position. That's isn't this just this? You're just talking about an, an advisory committee that has no real power, full of people. Sadly, probably true. I mean, like our own metrics, which suggests your diversity advisory committee is probably pretty low on the power totem pole. Here's what's great about this greenwashing committee. Again, this is from the NFL greenwashing section of NFL.com. Matt calls it like corporate communications or marketing, but I think it's officially called greenwashing. Um, oh, that's, yeah, that's the, yeah. the uh, uh, report came uh, ostensibly came out of this committee the the NFL diversity and inclusion report. Now this is where it gets interesting because forget about that committee of all essentially black people. There's white one. There's one white woman on the board, but this report was actually written by. They did find there was two authors. They did they luckily they found a white man to co-author this report. It was a black man and a white man, but they both are faculty. At the DeVos Graduate Sport Business Management Program. Yeah, yes, this is true. Betsy? Yes. Betsy's father-in-law, Richard DeVos, started this. Remember, he is the billionaire who became rich from a multi-level marketing company called Amway. Yeah. He was a very known politically active uh, active conservative. He was a dedicated opponent of same-sex marriage. That's that's not nice to be dedicated. I mean, does he support... The the opposition of same-sex marriage, or was he an actual opponent of it? Dedicated opponent. Got it. So this is where they this is actually where they found the co-authors of the report. So they they dug deep uh, from the uh, DeVos Graduate Sport Business Management Program in, from Central Florida University. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> all right. How about this one? NFL. And the shoe surgeon team up to empower local community and youth through fashion, football, and philanthropy. I like this one. Uh, it's a partnership with what? pioneering shoe <laughs> customizer Dominic Chiambroni, <laughs> aka the sh- <laughs> aka the shoe surgeon. He's a he just so happens to be a white dude. Uh, you know, if you're keeping track at home, and I know a lot of you like to to keep track. There's a scorecard. Yeah. 
Uh, and there's an article about him uh, where it says that he started out airbrushing sneakers. Now he's making $200,000 shoes. So this is the guy they brought in to, to create clinics uh, with 15 kids from Big Brothers, Big Sisters. A guy now selling $200,000 sneakers. So I'm really the, confused by this one. Yeah, does, does he give just give the sneakers to the kids? He teaches them how to paint on the sneakers. And then he, I guess he teaches them how to find rich people who want to spend $200,000 on the, that's sneakers. That's the yeah, skill, isn't that's it? The, the clinic, skill yeah. isn't painting the sneaker. It's finding yeah. someone to buy it for $200,000. I don't get this one. I don't know how this one fell into their greenwashing Wait, why category. Why yeah. doesn't the NFL just partner with us to do something? Like, hey, if you're partnering with I'm shoe there. painters. I'm ready. Let's do it. What what can they do with us? Yeah, uh, my credentials to the NFL that why you should choose me is that I was a, a Patriots fan before Tom Brady, so I have That's true, true. I, I have was true too. credentials. True I credentials. Was too. Yep. Yeah. These are these are. I think actually this is laudable to have been a Patriots fan uh-huh. at the worst time to be a Patriots. Fan. Yeah, it just means that we're old. Okay. Uh, remember, I told you about that diversity report being written by uh, from people from a school I do. where. Where the uh, the creator of the school is a dedicated opponent of same sex marriage. Well, this next greenwashing article is uh, NFL renews support of the Trevor Project, which is the world's largest uh, suicide prevention and mental health organization for uh, LGBTQ young people. Okay, and the, and the NFL wanted to say that they are matching Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker Carl Nassib's $100,000 commitment to support the LGBT community. A hundred grand, man. The NFL's, that's, that's a lot. They're checking a hundred grand. <laughs> Can I just say that they're supporting the Trevor Project? There's been, as far as I know, there's only been one out player in the history of the NFL. One out LGBTQ player. I think that's Carl Nassib, right? Only it is. one out Again, this is a stretch for the NFL. I almost understand the two hundred thousand dollars sneakers more than more than patting themselves on the back for this one. I don't know about this one. Well, hundred thousand um, dollars, yeah. I mean, just to be clear, mm-hmm. in context, yes, that is point two percent of Roger Goodell's twenty twenty two salary. That's actually yeah. a lot higher than I would have thought. Really, so, you would have thought it was more than I that? was thinking point zero <laughs> some percent, yeah, point zero eight or something, yeah. Point two percent. He Goodell made fifty million, an estimated fifty to sixty million in twenty twenty two. Goodell makes twice as much, um, uh, and he's making this in basically cash, right? Because there isn't equity, there isn't like an equity component to this. He made twice as much as Jamie Dimon. Like so, I think Jamie Dimon probably would have given Carl Nassib more than a match. Don't they do? I would arguably say they do maybe more. I don't know. Remains to be seen. How about this next one? Yeah, I don't. I'm actually not too sure. Uh, (laughs) This next one, uh, I got two more. NFL hosts seventh annual Careers in Football Forum to provide opportunities for historically black colleges and university students. Okay. Uh, The event featured a panel of three dudes. uh, Two of them are black, so they actually got two black dudes on that panel that's pretty impressive that's good. right yeah. right okay all right uh since 2016 the forum has introduced over 300 students and um uh for, to career opportunities in professional football right since the program's inception out of these 300 students 14 of them have gone on to secure internships or full-time opportunities with the nfl nfl clubs wow. colleges universities and other sports entities 14 oh, wait. wait whoa 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 <laughs> 
Not even just the NFL. Not the NFL. <laughs> they had to just say 14 at yeah. all sports uh, everywhere. Not just anywhere. NFL. Also, NFL clubs, colleges, and universities, and other sports. And that could that could be like local pickleball. That could be like Topps Trading Cards Company. I did the math. That's less than 5%. And I couldn't even get precise on that math map because it said over 300 students. So I, I don't know. I did, that was the denominator I That's, picked was 300. They, yeah. they host a thing? They host a thing and nobody gets a job. <laughs> and out nobody of it. gets a job from it. Yeah. I don't on. know. Give I mean, look, jobs. Yeah. one thing that's clear is you're listing a lot of stuff. Right? I am. So they're do there. There is a very clear. These things take some level of coordination. Sure. Which means you're paying some people inside your organization to coordinate from, these things. Probably and do from these Central things. Florida University. From right. Devos like, Management I, I don't School. know yeah. from mm-hmm. where, but all I know is that like someone is organizing it and doing some stuff. Some mm-hmm. people show up and then they can write about it on their website. If this if the NFL was an impact investment, mm-hmm. how would you rate them? Um, I guess on a uh, scale of zero yeah. to seven stars, I guess. Triple B? <laughs> I think that would be correct, yeah. Uh, and finally, the last one, and this is the most fitting one. I mean, this one really says it all, especially when you when you think, again, the reason why we started talking about the NFL this last this past year was the lack of diversity at the head coaching position, the general manager position, the CEO position, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, this, well, to, yeah. to relate it back to what we do, yeah. you're naming positions roles with power. Right. Roles with actual power. Not with just the roles where you get an instant concussion and have a heart attack on the field, but actual roles of responsibility roles and power, longe- longevity, you salary, spend money, you're there for long whatever, periods yeah, of time. Stuff, yeah. So Board Sabermetrics is designed to tell you mm-hmm. roles with power, like people right. with real power and influence. That's what we're talking about. Here's the last greenwashing article I chose to focus on. The 2020 is called the 2022 Bill Walsh. Diversity Coaching Fellowship and Nun Wooden Scouting Fellowship Enhance NFL's Legacy. Now, now, yeah. What, see, go th- ahead. That's a lot of words. Yeah, what, it is a lot of words. words. What does that mean? <laughs> so the NFL successfully completed this year's Bill Wash Diversity Coaching. It's a it's a coaching and scouting fellowships. It's fellowships. Uh, fellowships. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just keep saying fellowship, and I'll. But get here's it. Where, but here's the crazy part. The scouting, uh, there, it's uh, it was run by uh, it says Nun Wooden. It's run by Bill Nunn and John Wooden, two former black players at the NFL. They, 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 the the highest up they rose on the on the professional management scale was that Bill Nunn was an assistant personnel director and then a scout. That's as high as he got. He ended up being a scout, and John Wooten was a bunch of things. Scout, assistant director of pro and college scout and consultant, right? Former black players. That's as far as they could get was to be scouts of other black players. That's what they trusted the former black players to be is to watch other black players. <laughs> now, the irony here is that Bill Walsh, who I'm sure you know, Matt, one of the I most know. famous head yeah. coaches in NFL history, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. This is a white guy, a, a, co- a former coach. He never played football. He That's never right. he played. Did, and and yet correct. he never played. He was the coach of everything, the Bengals, the Chargers, Stanford, 49ers. And he was the president, vice president, general manager of the 49ers. This is how it works. I'm so happy that they chose a very realistic portrayal of how it really works in the NFL. 
You could be okay. a white dude who never plays, and you're going to go right to the top. Or you could be actual players who have heart attacks on field uh, in front of the camera lens, and you can you know eventually watch other players. Uh, they did. They yeah. must have known that Bill Walsh Diversity mm-hmm. Coaching Fellowship. <laughs> yeah. Was it sort of an oxymoron, right? This is their language. This is not my language. Yeah, it's a little rough, that one. A little rough. I mean, they must have known that the joke's on them. Or it's on us. It's on everybody. um, I guess San Francisco's a pretty diverse place. Maybe that's what they were thinking. Were they? Were they? Or (laughs) or could they not find a different head coach to name this after? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think they're just being true. They're being true to themselves. Matt, that was the first annual... ESG MLK NFL Woke Day, our first ever. Are we doing this annually? That means there's more to come, probably. Not, yeah, I like, I I like making fun of the NFL. It's fun. We're going to end the show today with a call-in. Doug from Jersey called in, and if Doug sounds suspiciously like Doug Chia, governance expert, there's probably no relation. Except it's him. Here's what Doug had to say. Hey guys, this is Doug from Jersey, long-term listener, first-time caller. I'm going to give some my thoughts on uh, the Disney vs. Tryon thing um, and then let you guys respond, all right? Thanks. So, um, you know, in terms of Peltz's ideas for Disney, uh, you know, he wants to fix the streaming business, stop relying so much on parks revenue, uh, get a successor to Iger, um, and, you know, restore the magic of Disney. Uh, yeah, I think everybody wants that. I don't think that's anything new. So I'm not sure why he needs to be on the board to make that happen. Um, he's 80 years old. He's proposed his son as a backup. His son's 39. I think 39-year-old would be better guy to try to restore the magic of of Disney. Um, Just, you know, one guy's opinion here. Um, You know, in terms of what what happens next, I think there's a pretty good chance, probably 75%, that Nelson gets on the board uh, of Disney sometime before uh, the annual meeting. Starts as an ego fight, and then eventually Iger realizes it's not worth it. Probably 20% that Disney actually fights this to the death, kind of like P&G did. Um, And a 5% chance that the son, Matthew, ends up on the board. Um, After that, Amazon or Netflix will definitely make a 10-part limited streaming series about this, starring Al Pacino uh, as a younger uh, Nelson Peltz. proposed title is better called marty and um you know if you read the proxy statement it's pretty juicy uh very one-sided of course starts off with a fancy dinner at uh disneyland uh paris goes from there uh interesting that with uh, a lot of these negotiations happening in plain view in fancy restaurants that no reporter picked this up and leaked it um anyway that's my hot take thanks a lot guys i'll listen to you guys uh break this down thanks thanks for the call doug from jersey if that is your real name doug chia president of soundboard governance and fellow at the rutgers center for corporate law and governance first off i'm gonna start with pelts 
Um, because you're right. I think Peltz Jr. is probably a better bet um, than Peltz Sr. Partially because he's young and nothing screams advancing into the future like being 81 years old. But look, Nelson Peltz's board track record is actually spotty at best. In the last five years, Nelson Peltz has managed to achieve the following. A staggering average market returns relative to peer companies. A whopping average worker productivity. A mind-numbing average carbon footprint. And a super average CEO pay. He's literally average across the board. He's not been better than the 75th percentile or worse than the 25th. And Matthew Peltz, the son, is not much better. At least he's younger. And at least in the last five years, he's been on the board of a chocolate candy maker in Wendy's. Now, granted, he's the vice chair at Wendy's where daddy is the chair. But he did bring the average age down just slightly. But let's go to Peltz and Trian's point about Disney, and they have one. The strongest individual performer on the board at Disney is Derricka Rice, and the best he mustered in the last five years was neutral performance, average performance across TSR, ROA, worker productivity, carbon, and even executive gender diverse hiring. So he didn't, in his all of his tenures, manage better than anyone else at any of those things. Chapik was not good. But if we're honest, more than 50% of the board was weak for the entirety of their tenures at worker productivity and CEO pay, which says to me one thing. The board was really happy to pay Bob Iger for being Bob Iger, not increasing worker output or ROA or any sort of performance. They were happy with average at best, but they would pay Bob Iger for being Bob Iger. And that's probably because the board is super chummy. 73% of the board is connected inside of three degrees to one another. The real question is, will investors actually buy Peltz's argument? And Disney disclosed in the proxy that Peltz asked to join the board more than 20 times since July of 2022. That's a lot of asking. And Peltz asked the following board members in multiple conversations. Chapik, six times, starting in July. Chang, Amy Chang, once, starting in July. Safra Katz, three times at least, starting in July. Susan Arnold, several times. They disclosed starting in January of 2023. He asked the most influential person on the board at the time, Susan Arnold, only at the very end to join the board. Mostly, he was rebuffed by Chapik, who's not great, and Safra Katz, who I cannot figure out because she's not a member of the nominating committee, but she had multiple conversations with Isaac Perlmutter, um, who reached out on behalf of Peltz, according to the disclosure, which suggests they must know each other from somewhere. And this is a guy who once said of replacing Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle in a Marvel movie that no one would notice because black people all look the same. Classy! At the end of the day, I think this is what's going to happen. This is Bob Iger's white knight moment. I think he pulls this out. He fights back activists and Ron DeSantis, the anti-woke and the woke. And if he does it, isn't he shortlisted for president of the United States in 2028 or at least like governor of California or in Iowa? I don't know. This is basically a wash for investors. Everyone brings mediocrity to the table. But Iger's mediocrity is the least charming. And I think, I think, 
Investors will bet on the horse that Iger rode in on. That's our show. Come back tomorrow for more Business Pants, where we have Vivek Ramaswamy, the author of Woke Inc., joining us for the good game. We're going to make them do ridiculous things. Forget serious conversation. We only do ridiculous. And we get serious. We'll talk to you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.